In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Feast of All Saints Day is one of the oldest commemorations of the Church, with the earliest celebrations of this day being recorded as far back as the 9th century in England. Eventually, the entire Western Church began celebrating this day, also in the 9th century, within 100 years or so of the first liturgies being developed. And that was after Pope Gregory IV found the commemoration of all the saints of the church something edifying for the entire church to celebrate. So why do we come together? Why do we set a day aside to remember the saints? After all, The saints didn't do anything to help us attain salvation, right? Well, the first thing that we need to understand is the true role of the saints of the church and the difference, as it were, between the capital letter S saints and the lower case letter S saints when we refer to them. Today is all about the capital letter saints. The, the capital letter S saints, the saints that the Catholic Church recognizes as exemplars of faith, and in whose example we can find both strength, courage, and knowledge of how to live a Christian life. One of the ways that many have found helpful to think about the saints is to consider the saints, these capital letter S saints, as our ancestors in faith. For example, my great-great-grandfather immigrated from Huddersfield, England, into Goliad County, about 55 miles from where we are right now. He brought his only son, some money from his business in Huddersfield, and left his wife and daughters, attempting to forge a new life for them here in the new world, with the hopes that one day at least his daughters would be able to come and join them. But it is his legacy, the purchasing of property, the marriage of his son Louis, that eventually, almost 145 years ago, has led to me being here. The history that has led me to being part of this community and part of the world here. So it is with the saints. From the earliest apostles and evangelists, to the first martyrs of the church who gave their very lives as a witness that Jesus is Lord. After all, that is what the word martyr means, someone who is a witness. We have bishops, priests, nuns and monks, and countless others. And what they have all done is shown us by their example what it looks like to follow Jesus, to love God to devote one's self wholly, fully to Christ. If this is the case, then what is it about these saints? What is the common thread, the most common characteristic that they possess that propels them forward in our minds? The church is pointed to the Beatitudes as a rule, as the standard. This evening, we heard the Beatitudes from the Gospel according to St. Luke. These are somewhat different from the Beatitudes found in the Gospel of Matthew, with Luke's recording of them being more earthy 
more physical in a way. While St. Matthew says that the poor in spirit are considered as blessed, St. Luke says it is the very poor themselves who are blessed. And when we look at this list, we begin to understand why these qualities, these characteristics are found in the saints who have been canonized by the church. The Beatitudes show people who are humble, who care more about the good of others than for themselves, who are willing to tell the truth about the justice of God, even if it proves to be unpopular and in some instances leads to their death. One of the most stirring and exciting passages regarding saints, both those from our Jewish ancestors in faith and our earliest Christian forebears, comes from the 11th and 12th chapter of the letter to the Hebrews. In that passage, the author of the letter recounts a litany of hardships, oppressions, culminating in the ultimate example being Christ Jesus, our Lord. Here's what, hear, hear what it says. It is these who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women who received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all of these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better so that they would not apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer, and perfecter of faith, who for the sake of joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. The saints point us to Jesus, 
They point us to what a life that is based on his teachings look like. It is part of the reminder that our icon silently tells us. St. Christopher isn't looking at us or looking ahead or looking at his reflection in the water. St. Christopher is looking at the Christ child that he is carrying. And by his looking, we are drawn to follow his gaze as well, looking to that which Christopher is carrying. We too are drawn to look at Jesus. Now before we elevate the saints to a place where they should not be, We need to also remember that the saints are people just like us, just like you and me. Some were awful, terrible sinners before they met the risen Lord. St. Paul reminds us of this. He was one who helped with the martyrdom of some of the earliest saints of the church, such as St. Stephen. Some had irascible tempers like St. Jerome, whose scholastic pursuits wouldn't allow him to suffer fools gracefully. But he did give us the Vulgate, the first Bible in Latin. Some were womanizers and drunkards until they discovered that God is not only real, but that God is love, like St. Augustine of Hippo, who wrote about the exploits of his early life and his confessions, and his mother, St. Monica, who prayed for him daily. Others, like Dame Julian of Norwich, became an anchoress and had mystical visions that she shared, shared now with us, reminding us that strength can be found in our blessed Lord's assurance that I can make all things well. I will make all things well. I shall make all things well. And thou canst see for thyself that all manner of things shall be well. We who are here now what the church has historically called the church militant. We rejoice and give thanks for the church triumphant, the church that is now in heaven. And like our writer to the Hebrew encourages us, this cloud of witnesses, this great cloud is there to cheer us on, praying for us, wishing us all to finish our race without the burden of sin and strife, telling us to keep our own eyes fixed on Jesus, that master, and upon whom theirs and ours hope and joy rests upon. How much more encouragement do we need? There is a children's song that many of us know. I sing the song of the saints of God. It is a wonderfully simple reflection on who the saints are, incorporating both the capital and the lowercase uh, lower s saints into the lyric. 
But each stanza ends with a variation on the phrase, and I mean to be one too. Friends, we are the saints. We are the church here on earth. Let us strive. Let us truly mean to be saintly in our lives, looking forward with great joy and expectation as we look to Jesus until we hear those wonderful words pronounced over us. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.